Okay, my friends, it is good to be back in the house of the Lord, and I got to warn you right now, I got two weeks of pent-up preaching that is about to be unleashed upon you like a fire hydrant that has been opened up on a hot city street. You are about to get drenched, my friends. Are you ready? All right, all right, my people are excited for this. Well, before I get into all that, let me get into this. Wasn't the last two weeks, though, awesome? David Cox just hit a home run. If you want to hear a transformational message in understanding what work and worship are all about and how they come together and they're really seen as one unified expression of glory to God, go online and listen to that message. It was like, the, it was like, the, like personally, I was like, I love that message. I mean, that, that message of work and worship and all for the glory of God all of life is being redeemed through Jesus, like awesome stuff. So that's online, go and listen to that. And then Joy last week, she said she wanted to preach one of the Psalms. I'm always like, oh, Psalms, they're prayers. Like personally, I always like have trouble preaching them. But man, she just brought it just seeing that the God who creates all things has created you and he, oh, and, and, and then for you to go and see others as God's handiwork. Beautiful, beautiful message. So how awesome that God is already surrounding us with some great people to support our ministry and to move forward with what we're doing. Well, I've got a lot to say, so let's jump, jump right into it with clickbait. You guys know what clickbait is, right? Yeah, you guys know what clickbait is. If you don't, I'll explain it here. Clickbait are these things that pop up online that just draw you in like fish to one of those jiggly wiggler lures or whatever they're called now. They just kind of, they, they catch our attention and you've seen them. You've seen them if you own a computer. You know, they're, they're these posts that come up, you know, the 10 foods you need to stop eating. You probably ate number seven breakfast. And I'm like, I had breakfast and am I, am I dying now? I mean, I am such a sucker. I honestly, I'm a sucker for clickbait. I mean, all these things, they pop up. Was the, the, the other one was, um, you know, uh, uh, oh, it's like 10 childhood stars and why you never see them again. You won't believe what number four looks like. And I'm like, I want to see, like, how bad is it? You know, I mean, like, I am so bad. And, oh, oh, and then they're specific because they know where you live. They know where you live. And so I see this one now. It's like the police in Highlands Ranch are looking for this and you're doing it. You know, and I'm like, what? What am I doing? Like, am I breaking the law? Like these clickbait algorithms are, are incredible. They know us. Chris and I, wherever Chris went, he's somewhere. We always laugh how like they know us. Like Chris's pop-ups are always guitars, cars, and van sneakers. Like he said, like on it, like every day, guitars, cars, and van sneakers are popping up on him. And for me, it's pretty obvious. Obvious. It's bikes, skis, and skateboards. I'm like, how am I still 12 years old? Like, they know I love bikes and skis and skateboards. But, you know, I, I decided I need to learn something from these people in marketing that know so much. I, I could learn a few lessons from this. So I was thinking, what if I could have done a better job? So perhaps is my apology and my making amends here. I want to clickbait you through the Exodus story because the Exodus story is epic. The Exodus story that we've been in is amazing, and it really should pull us in. It should draw us in. I, I mean, it just builds on itself, and it moves forward, and it's incredible. So we're going to take a moment here. Let me get you caught up because I've been gone two weeks. We're going to, again, clickbait our way through the Exodus story. And, and here's how it starts. We could have put this on the screen and we could have promoted this. God promised them a land flowing with milk and honey. So why were they slaves? You want to know that, right? 
And some of you do. Some of you are like, no, that's not, that's not very good clickbait. But God promises people, you know, Abram, you're going to become a nation. I'm going to give you a promised land. It's going to be an amazing. And yet, 400 years, they're in slavery. But this is all part of the plan for God to grow them and to draw them out, to draw them into becoming his people. Well, then we could have done this. I would have liked this one. I should have done this. They said her baby had to die. You won't believe what she did to save him. You got you to help me out. At least pretend that this is good stuff here. You know, because, like, you know, kill all the Hebrew babies. But what does she do? She makes this basket. She puts them in the Nile. Pharaoh's daughter saves. Like, that is an epic story that we've gone through. Okay, the next one here, we could have we put it this way. He thought he was doing them a favor. So why did they run him out of town? Remember Moses, he, he understands early on that he is going to be the deliverer of the people, but he does it in the wrong way. He lashes out, he kills an Egyptian, he gets caught out, and he gets you know, like driven out into the desert. And we're like, what's happening, God? Is the whole plan falling to pieces? But all the pieces are actually just coming together. And then we could have done this. Um, the bush was on fire, but it didn't burn. Remember that whole story? Yeah, that was a pretty obvious one there. But, you know, God calls them there and take off your shoes. You're on holy ground. And it's a, it's a great part. You know, we all know that story. I hope we know that story now. Listen to it online. Then we could have, I got to speed through these. He dropped his staff. You won't believe what happened next. Remember that one? He said, throw it on your stick and it becomes a snake. And then he gives them all the signs. And then that staff becomes the staff of God. And it's going to be present with Moses and kind of used as, as kind of this conduit of power and the work of God in this process of delivering his people into the promised land. Where are we at now in the story? What's the next one? Um, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I love this. Yeah, last time I preached, I should have done this. Ten things God did to rescue his people. Number six will make your skin crawl. What was number six? Anybody remember? Number six? The boils. Yeah, oh, the boils all over everybody. So, so God is drawing us in. So, so here's where we're at today. I'm actually going to give you, I couldn't settle on one for today. So I'm going to give you three clickbaits for today. First, so it's our first clickbait is, is, is this. Maybe this is be the clickbait that would the Egyptians would have, would have you know, been compelled by. Thousands found dead in Egypt. You won't believe who's to blame. We're going to get into a hard story. I mean, some, some tough stuff we're going to have to process here. But we're seeing God's justice. And we're seeing the opportunity for mercy expressed over and over again. M maybe from the Hebrews, it would be a little bit different, though. The Hebrews might like this one. Worried about the plague? All you need is one lamb. Okay, that's, uh, there's a, yeah. I like that one, actually. <laughs> You know, there's this plague is about to come and there's this threat of like, like death but God is offering mercy and an out if the people be obedient to him um, but we're going to do this we're, we're going to like because we've been interpreting and understanding the Exodus story as our story and our deliverance through Jesus Christ we're going to jump on ahead to maybe this would be the clickbait that might compel us this is the weird one here are Christians cannibals you won't believe what Jesus told his disciples to eat and to drink. This has actually been misunderstood for, for centuries in the Christian church, but we're going to understand the symbolism, this remembrance, this power of honoring what Jesus did for us as we'll come together as the body of Christ later this morning. Well, these are the clickbaits that I hope draw us deeper into the story, and we're going to pick up the story with our reading about this 10th plague. God has brought his people through nine steps 
each step revealing God's power, revealing what God is going to do, giving people the opportunity to step into his mercy. But it has come to this 10th plague. Let's just do this. Let me just get into the story. We're going to read it. We're going to read all of chapter 11, shortest chapter in Exodus, and then we're going to come to a deeper understanding of what God is doing in this thing called the Passover. Now, the Lord said to Moses, I will bring one more plague on Pharaoh and on Egypt. After that, he will let you go from here. And when he does, he will drive, out, drive you out completely. Tell the people that men and women alike are to ask their neighbors for articles of silver and gold. Now we have this insertion here. The Lord made the Egyptians favorably disposed toward the people, and Moses himself was highly regarded in Egypt by Pharaoh's officials and by the people. So Moses said, and we can picture Moses now is going to be before Pharaoh saying this, uh, but this hasn't happened yet. Keep that in mind. This is what the Lord says about midnight. I will go throughout Egypt. Every firstborn son in Egypt will die from the firstborn son of Pharaoh who sits on the throne to the firstborn son of the female slave. No distinction anymore. Money doesn't buy a privilege in God's favor right here now. Who is at her handmill and all the firstborn of the cattle as well. There will be a loud wailing throughout Egypt, worse than there has ever been or ever will be again. But among the Israelites, not a dog will bark or any person or animal. Then you will know that the Lord makes a distinction between Egypt and Israel. All these officials of yours will come to me, bowing down before me and saying, Go, you and all the people who follow you. After that, I will leave. Then Moses, hot with anger, left Pharaoh, left Pharaoh excuse me. The Lord said to Moses, Pharaoh will refuse to listen to you so that my wonders may be multiplied in Egypt. Moses and Aaron performed these wonders before Pharaoh, but the Lord hardened Pharaoh's heart and he would not let the Israelites go out of his country. So we have an interesting beginning to the story here. Pharaoh's going to let the people go. That has been promised, but then we catch this insight at the end. It's not going to actually go super easy. There's going to be some difficulties in this, but the promise is going to be fulfilled. And as we read through, it's going to be explained in great detail. And again, I would encourage you during the course of the week to read these stories on your own and reflect and meditate on what God is doing. But things are about to go from bad to worse for the people of Egypt. Nine plagues and now the 10th plague, the plague of death. Now, before we say this is awful, this is the worst, it's not so bad for everybody because women, you're good to go. No worries. If you are a lady, no worries at all. So more than half the population, the better half by many standards, no worries. You can just be like, whatever, guys, that's your problem. If you are not an oldest son, not your problem either. Myself, I'm the baby brother. So for me, I'm kind of like, this could work out well, you know? I, you know, sorry, JP, but, you know, I'm moving up, you know? I mean, like, you know, and there's a lot of ways you could look at this and be like, eh, you know, not so bad. Unless, of course, you are a firstborn male or you love or are married to a firstborn male. For you, you are very concerned at this point because you have very good reason to believe God is going to do everything that God says he is going to do. So he gives the people an out. He gives them an option. 
The good news is you just need to get a lamb. It actually doesn't matter if it's a sheep or if it's a goat. It just has to be about a year old. There's really even actually no nitpicking on the exact date. Just about a year old. But this is the nitpicky part. It has to be your best. God doesn't want the old one, the mangy one, the flea-ridden one, the one that's next to death itself. Don't You know, the one, oh, the one's going to die next week anyways. You quick, you know, sacrifice it. No, no. You have to bring the best before the Lord. And this is what you have to do. You're going to have to kill it. You're going to have to sacrifice it to the Lord. And you're going to need to take the blood of it. This is the most important part, the weird part. You're going to need to take this blood and you need to paint it over the doorposts and the door frames of your homes. Across the top, down the sides, the blood of the lamb must be seen. Then you need to take this lamb and you need to roast it over an open fire. Take the entrails and all that stuff, throw it and burn it up. You need to roast all of the meat and then you need to eat the meat, but you don't even get to enjoy this part of it because you have to cook it with bitter herbs and you don't even get to sit down and have a party around this. You need to gird up your loins and be ready to go in haste. You must eat this in haste and be ready for when the Lord tells you to move. You must move. You must get ready to flee from Egypt out of your land of slavery and on into the promise. Then more instructions come. And this is where it gets very interesting as we go beyond chapter 11 into the descriptions through 12 and 13. God goes far, far ahead. And he says, what is about to happen now? What is going to happen with you is going to reorient, reset your entire life. This is the reset button for you personally. You're going from Egypt to the promised land, from slavery to freedom, from captivity into being my people. So this is your new January. This is your new year. This is going to reset your lives and it's going to reset your calendar. And from now on, on the 14th day, you're going to remember and reenact this Passover festival, this Passover expression. It, it, it actually kind of changes. What is this? It's not really like fun. It's kind of hard. It's a remembrance. You're going to have 14 days to prepare. You're going to do this thing with sacrificing a lamb, painting the blood, roasting it. And then being ready, remembering your exodus in haste. Then you're going to eat nothing but unleavened bread. Unleavened bread for the next seven days. And all you're going to eat for the next seven days is unleavened bread. And whenever you do this, for generation after generation, he says, it's going to be an, an everlasting remembrance of me. He says, whenever you do this, this is a great insight. I love this part of it. Your kids are going to say, what are we doing? <laughs> You had to love sort of the developmental observation here. You're just going to do this thing. You're going to drag your kids through it, kicking and screaming. And then at some point when they're ready, they're going to say, what? why are we doing all this anyways? And that's when they're going to be ready for you to say, we do this because the Lord, our God, brought us out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. And that becomes who God is to the people Moving forward, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, 
out of the land of slavery. I am the Lord your God who made you a promise. I am the Lord you, your God who said to Abram, I will make you into a people. I will make you into a nation. Through that nation, I will bring about a blessing to all nations. I am the Lord, who God, the Lord your God who heard your cry for help. I am the Lord your God who saw you in your misery. I am the Lord your God who called this man named Moses to be my representative to lead you out. I am the Lord your God who sent these plagues upon Egypt. I am the Lord your God who is doing this work in and through you. The Lord our God, friends, the Lord our God is a very confident God. Let's pause on this to understand what is about to unfold. The Lord our God is an extraordinarily confident God, and he has every reason to be so, right? He has every reason to be a very confident God because everything that he has promised has been fulfilled. Down to the details that you will be in captivity for 400 years, but don't lose hope, I will bring you out. And when I do, you will come out as a nation. He is the Lord our God that we have every reason to have confidence in him because everything that he has promised has been fulfilled. From the calling of Abram, to the developing of a nation, to being fruitful and multiplying, to 400 years in captivity, to the exiting with silver and gold and riches in the land that they come to the promise that he will eventually deliver them to this place flowing with milk and honey. Our God fulfills his promises to us, and therefore we can have confidence, confidence, confidence in him. What confidence do you have in the promises of God? What confidence do you have in the promises of God fulfilled for us through Jesus Christ? My friends, do we have confidence that there is the forgiveness of our sins that separate us from God when we call out to Jesus? We need to have confidence that we are forgiven. We need to have confidence that we are free from all guilt. We need to have confidence that God can wash away the shame that can hold us back. We need to have confidence that we are now called as the people of God in Jesus Christ. We need to have confidence that we are now the ambassadors for our Lord. We need to have confidence that we can be more than conquerors through Christ our Lord. We need to have confidence that we are being knit together, woven as a people, the very body of Christ. We need to have confidence that the Lord our God will call us and use us and do his work through us. We need to have confidence that we can go and we as disciples can make more disciples, that we can teach them everything that Jesus has taught us. We we need to have the confidence that we can baptize in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And we need to have confidence that he is with us. He is with us ever and always until his return and then forevermore. He is with us. Friends, do we have confidence in this? This is where the preacher wants to know the people are listening. Do we have confidence, amen, confidence in the promises of the Lord our God fulfilled to us through Jesus Christ? Let's have confidence in God. Right now, I'm going to call it. Calling an audible is the pastor right here on the stage. Already getting into the fourth terms. Let's have confidence that our God will fulfill his promise to us as Connections Church moving forward. That we go, we teach, we preach, and we baptize in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Last year, about this time, as we were getting ready to launch as Connections Church, we got a hot tub, we put it there, and we baptized a couple of you. 
And we celebrated your new life in Jesus Christ. One of the best moments that we've had. Let's have confidence that God is going to do it again. Let's fill up that tub September 15th. And any of you who want to celebrate the new life that Jesus has brought to you. Through your profession of faith. Through your confession of sin and your trust in that he has forgiven you. That you have been born again and new creation alive in Jesus Christ. Let's just call the audible. Let's just begin putting the word out. We'll put in the announcements. We'll send it out in the newsletter. And we can just talk as a community of God and say, Who is ready to take this step of faith and go into the waters of baptism and become born again through the washing of sin and the cleansing of all that separates us from God and rising to new life in him? Let's believe in the promises of Jesus and have confidence that he is going ahead and preparing the hearts of men and women to celebrate new life. Amen, friends? Amen. All right, enough on that we have this confidence that we are going to live into. And here's why. Here's why we use that word so much. Because this is revealed as our understanding in Hebrews. We keep turning to the word of God to help us understand and explain the word of God. And this is what Hebrews tells us. Chapter 11. Now, faith is... Once it's on screen, you'll want to say it with me. There we go. Come on. It's on there, right? No? It's not there. Darn it. What happened? Don't. Now, faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. Faith is confidence. It is confidence in what we hope for. We hope for forgiveness. We hope for a new life. We hope for eternity with Jesus Christ. We hope for these things. Faith is confidence in these things that we have through Jesus Christ. It is the assurance of things we do not see. We do not yet see Christ return, and yet we have the assurance that he will fulfill his promise. As every promise of God has been fulfilled, every promise is yes and amen. It is yes and amen in Jesus Christ, our Lord. And then we read this that helps us to understand what's going on. It will not be on your screen. We're having a a, a gaffe here. But here's what we read. By faith, Moses' parents hid him for three months. This is their understanding. That it is by faith that all of this is unfolding. It is by faith that Moses' parents hid him for three months after he was born because they saw he was no ordinary child and they were not afraid of the king's edict. By faith, Moses, when he had grown up, refused to be known as the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He chose to be mistreated along with the people of God rather than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. He regarded disgrace for the sake of Christ. What? Moses? Regarded disgrace for the sake of Christ? For the sake of Jesus? Jesus came hundreds of years later. But he understood already the redemption that was coming. That he was just a mediator for this one season. But the redeemer, the final mediator, the final sacrifice, the final lamb of Passover was coming in Christ of greater value than the treasures of Egypt because he was looking ahead to his reward. By faith, he left Egypt, not fearing the king's anger. He persevered because he saw him who was invisible. By faith, he kept the Passover. By faith, he kept the Passover and the application of blood so that the destroyer of the firstborn would not touch the firstborn of Israel. It is by faith that we do these things. And it is by faith 
that we are saved. It is by grace through faith that we are slaves, not of our own works, but by the work of Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God. I need to move into this now because I'm eager to get to this table as I know many of us are. Jesus steps onto the scene as our deliverer, as our redeemer, as the one who will lead our exodus, not from Egypt, but from our own captivity, our own captivity, our own slavery to sin. He is ready to lead us into the exodus of the promise of new life in him and spiritual gifts being poured out in abundance on us. Kindness and joy and grace and love and mercy poured out the true gifts, the eternal gifts, the gifts we all long for, heaped upon us in our own exodus into life in Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ steps in as our mediator, and toward the end of Jesus Christ, in fact, just hours, uh, his final hours on earth, he goes into an upper room with his disciples to celebrate the Passover that we've talked about. And he begins to tell the story. And at this point, each and every one of those disciples could have stepped in. He could have just tagged the one off and said, you take it from here. Because they have done this year after year after year of their lives. This remembrance, this festival, this feast, this occasion, this somber reminder of what happened and how the Lord, their God, delivered them out of Egypt, out of their slavery. They could have just taken it and run with it because they knew the story inside and out. And praise God that they had been building this up, this deep understanding into their lives until until Jesus suddenly, unexpectedly to them, maybe we expect it because we've done it so many times, but shocking to them in the midst of this Passover celebration, at one point, all of a sudden, he, he takes this loaf of bread, this unleavened bread that they would eat for seven days, and then he broke it. And then he says, this is my body. And be broken for you. Take and eat and do this in remembrance of me. Because this bread that was unleavened, that was untainted, reflected that Jesus, though he would take on the sins of the world, would remain sinless so that he could become our atoning sacrifice. And then he picked up the cup. And then he said, this cup is now a new covenant. Sealed in my blood that is shed for the forgiveness of your sins. Take and drink and do this in remembrance of me. Because the blood of Jesus, Jesus the one that we know as the Lamb of God, Jesus' own cousin John declared, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Jesus, the spotless, perfect Lamb of God would go to the cross and have nails driven through his hands and through his feet and that scourged back would be pressed against the beams and then, and understand this, remember this, this is the key to unlocking the power of what is unfolding here in Jesus, the fulfillment of the Passover. His own blood would paint the beams of that cross. His blood, the blood of the Lamb of God, Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord, would paint the beams of that cross, and that cross would become for us the doorway to eternal life, the doorway to the promises of God, the doorway to abundance and blessing through He who died for us, the very doorway to heaven, friends. And so He invites us, the people of God, to take and to eat and to remember 
his body broken for us, to take and to drink and to remember the new covenant that was sealed in his blood, which assures for us the forgiveness of our sins so that we could pass into the glories of heaven through him. No, we are not cannibals. But we're a little crazy, right? We're a little weird. Sometimes it's hard to understand. Sometimes it's hard to me to understand, and I've been doing this for a long time. We aren't cannibals. It's a little weird. It's a little crazy. But yet, this is the promise fulfilled through us, and for some reason, somehow, it resonates in my heart and in my mind, and I know it resonates in the hearts and the minds of hundreds of thousands of believers who have professed their faith and put their life, their hope in Jesus Christ and come to this understanding and experience that when we come to this table and we take this bread, we remember palpably his sacrifice for us. When we lift this cup, we taste and we remember the price that he paid for the forgiveness of our sins. And so, people of God, I invite you now to come and to remember and to step again into the promises fulfilled for us through Jesus Christ, our Savior and our Lord. These are the gifts of God that are given for the people of God. And I invite all of you who profess faith in Jesus Christ to come and to partake. If for any reason you feel you cannot or will not participate, there is no judgment or condemnation here, but for all who desire to taste and experience, and renew their commitment to Jesus Christ. You are welcome to come to this table. I like having people come to the table. It shows our commitment. It shows our buy-in. If you are able, come to the table. If you are not, we will bring the elements to you. But in a moment, you will be invited to make your stand and to take your walk and to come to the table. I invite you to take a piece of the bread that has been broken for us and to take your cup and then to return to your seat. And then together as the body of Christ, we will all eat together and we will all drink together. If you need gluten-free, we will have a tray of that remaining here on the table. Have I made these instructions abundantly clear? <laughs> then I invite our elders to come forward and our team to return, to begin to lead us in worship. And I invite you, the people of God, to come forward and to remember Jesus Christ, our Passover fulfillment.